0: Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast. I'm Yuri Kuhlman, founder and CEO of Commander-in-Chief Media Group, award-winning Chief People Officer and keynote speaker, author of five books, Fortune 500 consultant and corporate trainer, and contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Newsweek. Our mission at Commander-in-Chief Media is to help 100 billion people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now. Through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, HR consulting, or for training, coaching, speaking, and authentic high-quality writing, helping people become their own commanders-in-chief. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the Commander in Chief Podcast, stick around until the end of the show. We will share with you what we're looking for
1: and how to apply.
0: Hey everybody, my name is Yuri Kruman, and I'm the pot, the host of Commander in Chief Podcast. Now, as you guys know, if you've been listening for you know the last few months, we do a lot of conversations with tech CEOs, people you know running very large businesses, etc. Now, you know, there's a tendency to go into kind of rah-rah rah or you know, some kind of crazy pivots, but we, we don't always think about, well, frankly, the management side of things, right? And management is not always something that's uh, you know left for um, you know advanced uh, courses at MIT or what have you right it's it's often something that is sitting on the nose and we're looking out in the world trying to figure out my god this is so complicated how do we run meetings better all sorts of things like that so today we're we're gonna have a little bit different kind of conversation we're going to talk about a little bit more about the dynamics of business and not just dynamics in in, in the sense of I don't know fundraising or Ah, uh, creating an MVP, all that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about something a lot more fundamental. This is not just for business; this is for life in general. So today, I'm I'm super super excited to have on our show Anne Latham, who is the queen of clarity, no less. And welcome. Please tell us about your work.
1: Thank you. You're here, yeah, I um, my newest book is called The Power of Clarity. And it's the how to unleash the true potential of work, workplace productivity, confidence, and empowerment. And it came out fairly recently, and I'm really excited about it.
0: Beautiful. So, okay, clarity. Um, let's even before we go into that, I, I, I want to hear more about you know how how did you get here? I mean, it's 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 not every day someone. Comes and says, "Hey, I'm the Queen of Clarity." So, okay, before before we talk about what is clarity and how does that work and how does that appear in business, what is this clarity, et cetera. There's, there's a lot here, but I, I just I would love to get your story, just your human story. You know, how how did you get here?
1: Sure. Yeah, I probably had some natural clarity. I was uh, one of five siblings, and I was always straightening out my brothers <laughs> who were who are older and bigger than I was, but nonetheless needed some straightening out. And uh, I, I, you know, was growing up. I was a math major. Problem solving was what I liked to do. I got into the corporate world. I was a software engineer. I, I climbed way up through product management and manager, not product management, product development, and and uh, managing people. And then got into uh, running all kinds of sort of switching from my problem solving technical abilities to applying that to people and, and solving people-related problems. And so that's when I got into um, running cross-functional, cross-divisional teams to solve complex problems. And that was really fun. It was It was nice because it got me, you know, when you work on a software product, it's one little thing. It's, you know, it can be sold a million times, but it's one thing. And when you start working with people, you can have a much broader impact on the corporation and on what, how things are working on a daily basis for everybody. And then at mm-hmm. uh, one point I decided that I wanted to try independent yeah. consulting and I, um, I talked to my boss, my former former bosses, my peers, my coworkers, and I asked them, what is, what is it that I do extremely well that is most unusual? And they all came back to me with really thoughtful, wonderful responses. And it all pointed to that I create clarity. I take in large quantities of information and I cut to the chase. I find the kernel. I find the essence. I get everybody on board to, you know, focusing on one thing at a time and moving things quickly forward. And it was, it was wonderful to hear. It really created my value proposition and... The URL uncommon clarity was available, <laughs> so it was I was off and running. Started my business, and, uh, and in, interestingly enough, I mean initially, no one buys clarity because it's too it's too vague. There's no urgency around it. Everyone knows clarity is it's a good thing. We need more of it, but it, you know you don't run off and buy clarity. So my consulting started completely with helping bringing my skills, my ability to create clarity to strategic planning to making teams more effective, to solving uh, process improvement problems. So I was a, a generalist with um, clients in over 40 industries, ranging from you know, the Boeings and Hitachis and Medtronics of the world to the, the local chamber of commerce and universities, public broadcasting, wide, wide range, because they, they all needed my clarity, but none of them called it that. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. Yeah. So, okay. Clarity, again, we're going to unpack. It's, it's in some ways much more complicated than the word might suggest otherwise. Yes. But let's say, okay, again, just thinking about this as a business. So you have the paradigm. I mean, I, I certainly have the paradigm. God knows, you know, the, the cobbler has the worst shoes, right? So for me, I, I can help somebody, you know, clean their business of a whole bunch of just nonsense and craziness and disorder, all that stuff, Right. But for me, kind of building my business, it's often like, uh-oh, wait a minute. <laughs> what about me? Like I have to get a coach. I have to get a consultant. It's, it's, it's very tough. I can I can imagine that, again, even being someone very talented and able to help other people to achieve clarity sometimes, you know, it's it's not the easiest thing to do that for oneself. So I, I'm just curious, just touching on this uh, briefly, how, um, how did you get to a point where your own business is as clarity that's that's a really interesting
1: yeah, question. That is a great question. I you know because as I was saying that I brought my skills at the same time I was doing a lot of writing and I would I would write a lot of articles I wrote for forge.com and in the writing I was usually tr- to talking about clarity and how to create clarity and gradually made the transition to writing the book, The Power of Clarity. And it's all about how do I do what I do? How did I do the things that I brought? You know, what was the value I brought to my corporate left and to my clients? So Mm -hmm. do these things. (laughs) I mean, this is, you know, this I do all the things I teach in this book is the stuff I do. It's 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 how I accomplish what I do but when I create clarity. So it's how to create the clarity that you need to read and more effective. So yeah, there are times when I can't see everything as clearly around my own business as I would like. I think that's especially true when it comes to marketing. When you're, you know, you're trying to, yes. your value, your your book to other people, uh, to step back and see the big picture enough so that you can express that well. I think that's always a struggle for any individual.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I'm, I'm mentioning this more more or less uh, as uh, as a joke in a light manner. But uh, you know, my my whole uh, kind of I guess company and book and all of that. Be your own commander in chief, right? And and the joke is that uh, you know my wife is gener- generalissima bellissima. <laughs> she runs things in a in a very tight way. So you know, there's 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 room to walk between the raindrops, that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so let's let's go a little bit deeper. Okay, so you have you have this uh, moniker, which which is again pretty serious, Queen of Clarity. You have a book, The Power of Clarity. What, what what is clarity? Let's let's really get into that meat. What what is clarity, first of all?
1: That's a wonderful question because people don't know. That's the most wonderful thing, is that the word clarity itself is unclear. Clarity is like word talk about like we're just not quite clear enough it's a little confusing we need to be a little clear it's like there's this little point called clarity and we're just always a little bit away from where we need to be and the reality is is that about it more on a spectrum we need to think about you know being what i call you know uncommon clarity really clear on one end and in disclarity totally unclear on the other end and the first chapter of my book is called we aren't as cl- clear as we think we are and it's costly and it's filled with examples to try to help people see that they think they're clearer than they really are. And, and we aren't. And if you look at the examples in the book, I'm on my spectrum from uncommon clarity to disclarity. Believe me, <laughs> most of our time we're down closer to the disclarity end of the spectrum. So there's huge room for it. So that's why title of my book, I talk about three Thanks. things that seem so disparate, productivity, confidence, and empowerment, but you can gain all of those from greater. Now, you asked, what's, de- what's my definition? To me, clarity is knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish, how you're going to get there, with whom, and with the ability to focus so that you can move things forward.
0: Yeah, so of course, you know, just for context, uh, I think a lot of our listeners are in entrepreneurial mode, right? And there's there's a bit of this, almost self fulfilling prophecy. Well, you know, it's just me, or it's a small team. Yes, it's constant chaos, and like leave me alone with your processes, and that's later when we raise money. So I, I think in in a way we're we're having a conversation that can be very painful, and I'm I'm speaking for myself just as well, right? I mean, it's I'm more of that kind of uh, artist entrepreneur kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Like, let me, let me. I'm curious about the intellectual parts of this, and let me overcomplicate it, You know, clarity will come. Clarity is some of this. This it's a reward. So, I think it's very important sometimes to to look at that again. That's that's one side of things. The opposite side of things is, of course, saying, okay, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm a corporate leader, and you know what? I want perfect clarity so I can make perfect decisions. And of course, we know that doesn't exist. So, you know, the the goal. We're starting to to talk a little bit more granularly. So one thing that you mentioned, I believe in chapter one, said you have strategic clarity. So a lot of people say, okay, well, we'll bring a consultant. We'll you know uh, we'll understand the market. We'll understand the ecosystem. We'll uh, you know look at the existing tools. We'll understand how our product uh, fits in that market. What's better about it, right? And we're starting to kind of dig down. And okay, maybe that's 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 great, right? We have strategic clarity, what you call right. But going much further down, the, I, I really like this phrase. I think you said um, we need clarity at all altitudes, right? So not just the 30,000-foot view. We need clarity at, okay, the, the C-suite level. Okay, what, what are we doing here, right? And it's easy to say, yeah, things are moving too quickly. We, you know, we can plan only so much, or we'll reinvent ourselves on the way. Then middle management, of course, says, well, like, slow down. We'll just, we're just trying to keep things stable. And people on the very bottom who are just starting out, they're like, whoa, this is a cool ride, like whatever, right? So I think it's very important. Just I want to introduce that idea that whatever we're calling clarity, whether it's, you know, it, it's, not, it's not just the actual vision. It's not some kind of perfect uh, intuition about what every, you know, how things are going to turn out. No one really has that, but we can start getting some, you know, idea, maybe some, You know, maybe we have predictive analytics from data. Maybe we have people that have been, I don't know, professional managers and companies that are later on in kind of the development cycle, right? So we can bring people together that have some experience within the industry, within the company stage, within something, right? But again, who's driving? One of of the things that I really got from this book is this kind of reiteration that, okay, we can have a plan. We can have a financial model. Everything can look just, you know, super spiffy and ready to go. But we often don't have a driver. Who's driving this bus? <laughs> you know, so the, one, of the, one of the things that I'm most interested in, not not to jump the gun, but when we talk about clarity with regard to people management, Project management is the most obvious one. You know, visualize it. You have, uh, you know, the, uh, this board, that board. We have, you know, this percentage yield uh, project sometime. Hold on. People are complex, right? People often don't have any clarity. They may not even want any clarity. They want, may want to complicate things because maybe that keeps their position necessary. So let's let's talk a little bit about this human angle, about clarity within the human realm within work.
1: Sure. Well, all big are uh, become from a series of small accomplishments. So when I talk about the definition of clarity being knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish, how, with whom, and with focus, you can look at that from the overall corporate level or, you know, big company level, and it's really high level clarity. But it applies at every single level. There's nothing about my definition that says, you know, this is this is the strategic level or this is some other level in the organization. And the reality is that to get anything accomplished, you need that level of clarity for everyone. You need, you need to know, if you want to be the most productive and most effective, you need to know what you're trying to accomplish in the next 15 minutes. Otherwise, you'll probably wander around for that 15 minutes, you know, what... My favorite question really is what needs to be different when we're done? So what needs to be different at the end of this meeting? What needs to be different by lunchtime? What needs to be different literally in the next 15 minutes? You sit down at your desk and you you look at your pile of stuff. So what are you doing? Are you cleaning up the pile of stuff first? Are you cleaning out your inbox first? Or are you, are you? And those are accomplishments, by the way. I mean, they need to be done, but they tend to... to you know, kind of squeeze their way into the important stuff and get it done all the time, but you need to say, what am I to accomplish that, that is tangible, concrete, valuable, that's going to unleash project process, uh, progress to the next step right now? What am I doing? And so I think it's important and to be sure that people understand that they need to create that kind of clarity. People need to understand how to create their own clarity. And that's, you know, that's part of why I've written this book, because it's not just for the high level CEOs and all to establish clarity for the organization. And it's not just for managers to tell their people what to do. Everybody needs to know how to create what I call clarity in the moment so that you push things and get things done.
0: So I'm I'm thinking about this again I'm putting on my head of HR hat and I'm I'm thinking okay very high level right this is not something that is often maybe talked about in HR frankly anywhere but let's say okay so I'm within the organization and I'm we're we're in agreement that clarity is a good thing maybe we haven't defined it 100% but okay we we know that on a high level philosophy wise that okay uh, you know if we bring light to what's going on right if we circulate information if we treat people like adults if we have a goal of making sure everyone understands why why they're here for what how it's serving them in their career let's say again we're, we're trying to align all the incentives within the organization very tough very rarely done but okay we're, we're trying we're trying our best and uh here we are again we can we can think of Clarity as something that, okay, is from the top down, meaning, okay, share your strategic plan. Uh, Make sure that, uh, I don't know, project management is visual. Uh, Make sure that, uh, I don't know, you're building in public. Uh, Make sure that, you know, your uh, standards for selection, let's say for promotion or higher pay are transparent, right? So transparency, a lot of this kind of thing is better transparency, better communication. It sounds great right i mean like on a gut level of course come on it's like but in practice of course it's not always like that right there's a joke among consultants right that if uh, if you're not solving the problem there's a lot a lot of money to be made in continuing to prolong it <laughs> right so it's you don't have to be a consultant to understand that a lot of people in an organization maybe you call them free riders you call them something else have a real stake in continuing the confusion or you know, keeping keeping that kind of status quo where things are not clear, or they're opaque, or people don't know the let's say levels of uh, pay or what have your career pathways. So, you know, I'm I'm thinking, okay, clarity. It's it's this hallowed principle. We can talk about organizational things. What we can do again, we can circulate information. We can create transparency. We can try to make the conditions. You know the same or as equal as possible for everyone. Then I take the other tack and I say, okay, well, there's also personal responsibility. So if I'm the head of HR, I'm getting a lot of, especially younger employees, right? Coming into the organization, they don't have a lot of, if any experience with, I don't know, face-to-face contact, water cooler conversations, office politics, very little, right? So they, they didn't really learn a lot of practical day-to-day things in college or even in grad school and you know, I'm I'm let's say as a head of HR now having to train them in a whole bunch of different subjects within learning and development. And I'm sitting here, okay, I understand what it means to to sit in the C-suite. Clarity is this kind of, it's almost like a if you have it, you almost have the, the most prized thing in business because business is this constant, you know, whirlwind and it's very fast, and clarity is very hard to come by. So I'm I'm thinking okay I'll I'll do my part again if I'm trying to build a business in the right way I'm trying to create that virtuous cycle of transparency and you know information that's circulating I also want to empower not just those younger employees but everyone in the organization yes I treat them like adults but I want to empower them to have clarity for themselves mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of you know the top down approach plus the the bottom up approach so I'm, I'm really curious, again, we, we can we can talk about the value of clarity in business, but I'm, I'm really interested in that angle. Where do these two things meet? Again, from your experience, I mean, if you want to share your case studies or stories or what have you, I'd love to hear from you how, when these things really work, when you've created, let's say, virtuous cycles, both from the top down and from the bottom up, what does that look like? Because it's very rare.
1: Right. Okay. So let me back up a little bit. If you look at all of the process improvement that has taken place over the last several decades, and it's been huge. Lean and Six Sigma, and you know, our our mm-hmm. customer satisfaction is so high because quality is, you know, all, people customers expect almost complete perfection, and and they get it more often than not. And our our assembly lines, our factory floors, any really has incredible production uptimes of you know upward of ninety nine percent. And that's where our process improvement has focused. We've focused on exactly how we do things. We've got clear purpose. We have clear processes. We have clear roles. We have. And so all of those production processes move very smoothly, but all of those production processes are moving physical objects. They're moving things like, you know, raw materials and parts and orders and order forms and things like that. And that's where we've put all this attention. And as you move away from the production line, now you're people whose jobs it is to move cognitive objects. They have to move decisions and ideas and plans and strategies. They're being physical things that you can see that you can line up on the factory floor and say, okay, move that box next. You know, we're moving ideas in people's minds. But all of our attention has been to those physical objects, not the cognitive objects. So for instance, decision-making is probably the most common and the most important skill of any of what I call these cognitive workers, whose job it is to move ideas and decisions and plans. Decision-making is king. And yet, if you Mm -hmm. ask a room full of people, how do you make decisions? What process do do you follow? You will get more answers than there are people in the room aren't sure how they make their own decisions and they'll try to dream it up for you but be different and so here we are with the most common the most probably for any business and we don't have a shared method or a shared vocabulary for doing it and i don't care whether you're talking at the c-suite level or the average so if we can't even have a shared conversation and a shared process for making decisions No wonder we have meetings that go on forever. No wonder we have decisions that go around in circles. So to me, it's that creating clarity comes down to really addressing the processes of the cognitive zone so that people can can be efficient and effective just like they are dealing with physical objects. So for instance, you know, you asked when in leading up to this question, you asked, you know, about a hundred questions <laughs> and that's the, that, <laughs> Sorry, I if, do that. if we want to be clear, we need to ask our questions one at a time. Let me just give an example. I was, I was sitting in a, uh, an executive team meeting where I was waiting for my turn. Cause I was going to talk to them about a project to do with them. And some, urgent issue had come up that needed to deal with first. So they just asked me to wait. And they would, they, while I was, I was in the meeting, but they needed to talk about this urgent issue. So I listened for a few minutes and after about five minutes, I interrupted them. And I said, look, do you realize that you are talking about five different decisions and two different plans at the same time? And of course they just glared at me because who was I to interrupt them? And but then I, I listed the five decisions and the two plans, and it's like that anger just dissolved into energy because they immediately knew I was right. They immediately knew what, in what order they needed to answer, make those five decisions. They immediately knew what had to happen with those two plans. And so a meeting that I believe would have lasted the full hour and had to be rescheduled within 15 minutes more, probably 10, they had made all five decisions and laid the first steps for two plans and they were ready to have that move forward. So that ability to take Claire, to, to take a complex situation and too many ideas and, and instead of going around in circles and trying to talk about all five or seven things at once to be able to cut to the chase and say, wait a minute, what decision do we really have to make here? And then what's the next decision? And what's the next decision? That's how you create clarity. That's how you move things forward. So I don't care whether you're talking about the the person sitting alone at their desk or someone at the highest level in the company. If they have that ability to cut things down and say, okay, this is what needs to be done in the next 15 minutes, or this is what needs to be done at the end of these six months. And this is how we're going to get there on the same page they can move everything forward much faster. If you think about decision-making, there are four steps for decision-making. And typically, not only are we talking about decisions all at the same time, but we're usually muddling those four steps together. The, uh, Mm -hmm. The most common thing people do when they're talking about decisions is leap to alternatives. Well, we could do this, we could do this, we could do that. And they argue about which alternative would be the you know the, the one that they should take and they skip the yep. other steps but in in there people are also throwing out uh ideas related to the first two steps that have been skipped so for instance suppose you're you tell your friends you're going to buy a car you want to get a new car and your friends will start diving in right away and making suggestions about oh you know you should get an electric car or you should get a sports car or you should get a truck and they everyone's got ideas and they're giving you those ideas. And most of those are alternatives. They're things that you should, one of the choices you might make. Occasionally, someone will throw in a a, a comment that's related to a prior step in decision-making, and that's what are the criteria criteria that you're gonna use for making your selection? Like, what are you gonna use this car for? Which car are you gonna get rid of? Does mileage matter? How much space do you need? All the kinds of questions that would guide your So here you are having a conversation where some people are throwing out questions and some people are throwing out suggestions and this is how we make decisions and it's muddled, it's slow, it's frustrating. It makes meetings last forever. So the kind of clarity I'm talking about is gets everybody on the same page. When you make a decision, first you agree on what decision are we actually making here? Are we making a decision as to whether to buy a car or are we making decision of what to are for, or are we making a decision mm-hmm. about to buy? And, and, and if you have that sense of shared process with a shared vocab, uh, vocabulary, you can get everyone one step at a time making progress. And again, I don't care if it's every, you know, it's every employee from top to bottom in the company can play the same game, <laughs> it can know how to participate. And that maximizes everyone's ability to contribute
0: yeah of course it's it's a uh, you know when when i when i hear what you're saying i think of a certain architecture that's just the way my mind works so for me i'm i'm thinking okay on an individual level there's a certain sense of okay i want to achieve a sense of flow right i, I want to have information i want to make sure i understand what is this how does this work i know my contribution to it and i know how this helps me move forward it, it, the sense of progress is maybe the the most important thing so Flow, I mean, that's a whole other subject, but essentially, if, let's say, the goal of, uh, I don't know, personal development, right, is to achieve a sense of, uh, to, to achieve a state of flow as often as possible so that, you know, you can do, let's say, your life's best work and accomplish whatever your goals are. So clarity, in a way, on a personal level is just saying, okay, I understand who I am, I understand where I'm going, I understand how this particular moment in time, this project, this job this relationship, whatever fits into that trajectory. Now I can also understand with the help of maybe each visualization, it's uh, circulating information. I'm part of a group that's doing a certain task or project or what have you. We, we understand each of our roles. We understand our contribution. We understand how we work together well, how information flows, how that fits into the bigger picture of the team and the company. And you know from there, we can kind of have have this mutual elevation almost because now we have alignment on a personal on the personal level to the bigger mission team level as well and we have some idea again the means are a different question but the direction is clear it's like the dipole moments are aligned now let's go and we all understand that we are hopefully correctly incentivized right so that there aren't people in the middle kind of blocking things so I want to I want to move a little bit away from flow because again that's that's a that's a very different subject which we can spend hours on. I, w- I want to focus on why. So we talked about why some of the reasons why we need clarity, right? So it's again personal, team, uh, mission, and you know the business outcomes almost are a side effect of that. Um, I want to. Try to understand a little bit so yes on 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 this kind of gut level right both a gut level and and a mind level we're like of course we want clarity but it's actually not it's it's not like that I, one of the things that uh, I, I i really stood out to me from your book we're not wired for clarity right we have all sorts of cognitive biases run haywire right what for whatever reason, it ended up that the largest chapter in my book is about cognitive biases. What are they and how, how to battle them? So, you know, if you look at a sample of intelligent people in any organization, any context, they're often eating themselves alive with imposter syndrome and all, all manner of other things. So maybe we can talk a little bit about okay, how how does the brain work to sabotage our <laughs> perhaps goal or quest? Uh, you know, for clarity. What does that look like in practice? Why why is this so hard? Maybe it shouldn't be so hard, right?
1: Yeah, well, everything's harder than it should be because we aren't wired for clarity. <laughs> so if if clarity <laughs> means knowing exactly what you're trying to accomplish and how you're going to get there, to me, this is, what's key here is specificity. We have specific about where we're going and how we're going to get there. And by the way, I define process differently than most people. People often define process as a series of activities, a series of steps. And to me, that act be busyness. So to me, processes are intermediate outcomes that lead to your final outcome. And so those outcomes are equally, need to be equally specific so that you are accomplishing something tangible, concrete each step of the way. So if you look at how we're wired as human beings, We are wired to get started, man. We dive in and we just start doing. We don't often stop to say, okay, what typically needs to be different when I'm done? And then what will be different right after that? Next thing that must be different to lead up to where we're going. We don't stop to plan. Everyone knows that. We dive in and get started. So there's one problem. Another problem is that we're too eager to help. We Like like to help each other. So we start throwing out ideas. Perfect example is, suppose you're you're in a meeting and it's your turn, you're, you're doing the round robin thing, and you're at the point where you say, well, this is where I am, this is what I've done so far, and this is what I'm going to do next, and you ask, am I on the right track? And what you really want is a yes or no. That's all you want, but that's People are so eager to help that they start throwing out their battle stories, their best advice. They start talking about what you need to watch for in step 10 when you're on step two, you know, and they are, they are, giving, and they just want to be helpful. But all you want is a yes or no, so you can go back and do B because you just told them you finished A and you're going to do B next. You just want to go back and get that done, but no are too eager to help. Uh, a third, we we like to talk, so we get into meetings. And if someone doesn't get very specific about what needs to be different next, we talk. And you know, you mentioned that you've got people who are really dedicated, smart. The smarter, the more dedicated, the more eager people are to help. The better those employees are, the more able they are to take any topic and to bring it in more directions than you can possibly imagine. I often do a little exercise with people in my audiences and I say, okay, suppose you see project review on an agenda and I put them in pairs. And I said, I'm going to give you two minutes to brainstorm the number of different topics, the number of different you could go with the topic project review. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in a couple of minutes, you can come up with a couple dozen Uh, collectively. I've had small groups, with 67 different topics that are relevant to a project review, everything from customer schedule, customer requests, budgets, uh, you know, you, you name it, there are so many topics and directions you can run in from on a project review. So the smarter your people, the more determined their people are, the more directions they'll come up with. Oh, we should talk about the risks of this, and what if this happens? And you end up with this incredible array of, of, well, you get, you end up with all these people actually in a meeting trying to go multiple directions at the same time, which is just totally inefficient and really hard to to, to uh, corral and get back and determine anything concrete. Another problem we have is that we don't value process clarity. We don't think in terms of process much. We'd rather just, it's just related to diving in. But you know, yeah. you buy something and it comes with directions. Who reads the directions? Here's this nice process created for you for how to assemble this thing you bought. And most of us, most people will start disassembling instead of reading the directions. We're just not too keen on process. And, if, and as I mentioned before, we don't have a shared method for making decisions. The decision is a process, but we don't even think in terms of process when we're thinking in terms of process. We just get in the room together and talk. You know, that's our process. Okay. We hope we come up with something, which is wishful thinking, frankly, there are a lot of ways. And we're yeah. just in there. Are, I've got a whole chapter on this, but we're just not wired to say, mm-hmm. wait a minute, what specifically do we need and how do we get there? And it's that specificity that's so critical. We, for some reason, um, we're just talking generalizations. And even when you were saying, well, you know, it, what if you, you've got everyone aligned, they know their roles, they know what they're trying to do, they know how they fit in. Usually those are in very general ways. Those are general roles, are general objectives. They don't tell me what I need to do by lunchtime. They don't tell me what to do when Joe who usually helps me with this task, is away abroad, you know, on a project. They don't tell me, you know, so there's the requirement that we understand individually. What is it we need to create that level of clarity so we can move something forward now and again and again throughout the day?
0: very interesting so I I know that a lot of your work from before and you've touched on this quite a bit in the book in this book as well it's it's about meetings and how they're broken right and 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 it's I'm reading this and I'm thinking my god okay I give a lot of you know uh, guidance okay maybe run meetings more smoothly I just had to do this like wow I guess I'm not giving such great advice after all it doesn't really work to have you know, yeah, it's helpful. Maybe it's have an agenda. It's nice if it's sitting somewhere in project management software. But a lot of this is really beside the point. It's really very tactical band-aid kind of solutions. And it's not really touching the the main point, which is clarity. Now, I'm sitting here in in Israel. And of course, there are very big cultural differences between the US and uh, Israel. One of them just Something that jumps out at you when let's say you you first move here, you come to visit. You know, Israelis are very direct, very, very direct. It's like just get get to the point. Like what, what is it? Like b- bikitzer. Bikitzer means like uh short, like let's go. In in French, my wife is French, it's bref, like briefly, let's go, like get to the point. <laughs> In the U.S., I think it's 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 much less sort of socially acceptable. Like, come on, you know, unless you're the big boss and you're just you're you're kind of like you know, known as the toxic person who does that, and you give yourself an excuse, or maybe you know you're just Israeli, you don't know any better. You you know, it's, it's expected that you're you have to give everyone a voice. You give have to give everyone a space, everyone the time to express themselves, and da, da, da. And of course, we know that, you know, that runs away into horribly useless meetings and all kinds of frustration and everyone talks behind and maybe they leave because they can't stand anymore. So culture clearly is a big, is a big piece of this. But um, I guess where where I was going with this is, um, you know, how, how can we fix meetings? I mean, you know, you're, you're the world expert on this. How do we fix meetings? We know, we know a lot of things that are broken, but how do we fix them?
1: Okay, let me tell you how to fix meetings. First, I'll say, I'll, I'll say I would get along great in Israel because I like to be direct. But I do, I I, I do disagree with you that is is somehow uh, it it's not rude. It's not ever. I don't know what words you use there, but it's it's not. You mm-hmm. can be direct and be polite and kind and you know all kinds of things simultaneously, but. So the reason why in meetings, people need to be involved and more people need to be invited than should be there and everyone needs a chance to say something is because no one knows what they're trying to accomplish. So everyone feels like they need oh. to be there just in case. they are. What if they make this decision and I'm not there? That would be terrible. So they need to go to these meetings to protect their interests. Or they're not sure where the conversation is going, So they want to get their two cents worth in while they have a chance. But if you look at all the advice you read on the internet about meetings, it's almost all about rules and tools for controlling people. It's like start the meeting on time and lock the door, uh, have an agenda. And if an agenda has, you know, when, when probably 20 years ago, I'd say maybe 30 years ago, people started saying, you have to have an agenda and what that did is create a proliferation of awful agendas filled with what I call treadmill verbs. Words mm-hmm. like review and report and communicate and share and inform and update, which, are, which fill our agendas. Uh, those are treadmill verbs. It's like being on a treadmill, you can review forever. You never get to your destination. There is no way to know when you're done. You can report forever. <laughs> There's no way to know when you're done. It's an opportunity. To just talk and to say what you want to say. So here we have these agendas filled with treadmill verbs. And we have rules about timekeepers and big clocks and putting your cell phone in a basket and all these things to control people. And the one thing that's missing, the one thing that people don't talk about enough is what needs to be different when you're done. Start a meeting without knowing what needs to be different when we're done. You're just going to waste people's time. Furthermore, if you don't know what needs to be different when we're done, you won't know who to invite. You will have to just invite everybody just in case. And when you, when I say what will be different when we're done, it's got to be specific. And it's got to be specific enough that there's really only six possibilities that make sense and create progress. One is a decision. If, if you're the point of, this, of the meeting is to make a decision, when you're done because once you've decided you're done number 2 is a plan you make a plan you know you're done because you've got a plan and it's a concrete tangible outcome that re- releases unleashes progress the third is a problem resolution you resolve you figure out how to resolve that problem you're done the fourth is a list but everyone knows if you create a list you're done when the list is done you haven't anything else to add to the list but you need lists Mm -hmm. because a decision, for instance, has multiple steps. A decision-making process has multiple steps and you need inputs to that decision. For instance, what are my alternatives? That's a list. What are my objectives? That's a list. It might be Mm -hmm. input to a plan. What are the action items? What are my resources? What are my risks? Those are all lists. So that's number four, five is authorization. If you need approval, Ask for approval, you get approval, you're done, it unleashes progress. And the last one is confirmation. Yes. I mentioned this before. You know, I'm, I've done A, I'm going to do B B next. Am I on the right track? All I want is a yes or no. Those six things, which I call my cognitive six, those and every step of every meeting should be one of those six. That mm-hmm. would solve the problem. I, of- I this.
0: This, this actually brings me a lot of tangible clarity, right? Because now when, let's say, I'm, I'm trying to run a meeting, it's not just going to be, hey, agenda. What needs to be different when this is done? Are we making a decision? Are we making a list? What are the alternatives risks? It's, it's very clear. It's really, really clear. It's beautiful. Thank you for that. That's, that's gold on its own. Yep. Um, I, I, like, I like a story that you mentioned in the book, which I, I thought was was. It's kind of like that's almost half of the corporate experience in a way. You, know, you mentioned this uh, VP that uh, told, I guess, his director, uh, look into this, right? So the uh, the director who's, uh, you know, she was just recently hired, maybe, you know, she wanted to make an impression, what have you. And uh, she just ran with it, you know, three-week project, whole team, of five, and, you know, drew everything up and then presented it. And the VP was like, yeah, really? You know, the implication was like, we just kind of want to make this go away. So for me, I was like the, the the kind of diagramming of of what's going on here, right? The VP didn't give any clear instructions what to do, why, for what, and the director also didn't take the time to just ask simple questions. What are we trying to do? What is the decision we need to make as a result of this? So for me, this is this is you know certainly my experience, and I know I'm very far from alone. Especially in large corporations, there's such a massive proportion of such situations out of the hole because nobody takes the time. And again, we talked about free riders, we talked about middle management being too uh, you know, too big, all kinds of forces that are incentivized, they're motivated to keep things opaque and in place and confused because there's a lot of money to be made from it. So what you said is, is <laughs> in the book and also just now, it, it's like it's bringing all these things <laughs> to one place. What would you say, um, meetings again, it's a huge thing. It's like such a big part of the fabric of the workplace. What are some of the other, maybe, let's see if, if we could have three really, really strong tips that are hiding in plain sight to gain clarity in the workplace. What might be some of the others aside from meetings?
1: Well, one is just to eliminate treadmill verbs from your conversation. I mean, quit using words like report, review, share, communicate, inform, update. All of those are just open invitations to talk. Mm -hmm. Related to that, things, requests like look into this, is just, it's incredibly vague. We need to be more specific. What exactly must be different when we're done or you are done or I am done? Specificity is absolutely essential. And the third is, is pay more attention to process. If you pay attention to the process, and that gets back to the process your meeting is going to take, the process you're going to use while you sit at your desk trying to solve a problem. If you pay more attention to process, that makes you specific about what's next, specific about what follows after that. Yes, you might need to regroup because as you move through something, you're, you're, it changes. But too often, we dive into th- things without a process without that level of specificity on either the, uh, the outcome or the intermediate outcomes. And so we're wandering, we're on a fishing expedition. We're just, things will fall into place. So get rid of treadmill verbs, be more specific and pay more attention to process. And the, the implications, the, the ramifications of those three things are, you would be astounded.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's interesting that sometimes in life the simplest things are the most difficult to implement. In this case, they're not difficult to implement, but they have the greatest right. impact. So I think it's a very valuable lesson for all of us, regardless of our walk of life, or we're building a business, or we're corporate employees. This is great. So as as part of the, the last part of the episode, I always like to ask every single guest. So as as we mentioned before, um, I hit record. The book, Be Your Own Commander-in-Chief, is about four conversations, right? It's elements of life philosophy through conversation, through language and psychology. So clearly, you know, you're someone who's incredibly thoughtful about language and psychology because, again, clarity comes from maybe having not those, not, not having those things aligned or not having the right tools of language or psychology. So I would love to ask you, you know, feel free to share with us any kind of wisdom, any elements of your own life philosophy, Um around any of those four conversations of uh, the conversation with your body, uh, mental models, life skills, dealing with other people, and of course, with God or the universe. And any, anything and everything is welcome.
1: Right, okay, well, my absolute passion and mission at this point is to create clarity because I really do believe the opportunity is enormous and that everybody can benefit. And if you just read the first chapter of the book, we're not as clear as we think we are, I think immediately you realize how much opportunity exists and we don't see it. We're clarity blind. We don't know it. So to me, my passion is helping others create clarity. And like I said before, I use these skills myself. I use them all the time. They've gotten to me into where I am and they're incredibly important. The other thing that's incredibly important to me is being active, being fit. And I actually moved a few years ago, To be, to live someplace where I had to, where I could walk more, where I had to walk more, where everything is in walking distance, so that I'm walking all the time. I've I've left car culture behind. Uh, Yes, I do get in my electric car part of the time to go places, but my goal is to always be moving because if I keep moving, there's a greater chance that I will always be able to keep moving. And I think that doing that and that that involves a lot of hiking, it involves a lot of pickleball, it involves a lot of skiing. So I put fun, family, fitness, and friends on an equal level to work. I have to make time for all those things. And if I, and, and if you think about it, fun, family, fitness, and friends can take up a lot of time, which just forces you to prevent work from expanding to fulfill all available time, which is, it does, especially if you're a work for yourself, you can work 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that's not good for us. So I encourage everyone to read the power of clarity and get out there and keep moving.
0: I have to second and third that notion. I, I and I really have to give you a tremendous compliment. You know, there are thousands, tens of thousands of books out there that are published. You know, I, I see a lot of things that are verticals. It's all oh, time management. You, I, I think what, what I really like about this, what also what I try to do in in my life for whatever reason that's my thing. I think you've hit upon something that is so foundational. It's like a texture. Of life it's like you know you've, you've you've hit upon the fabric of life but it's not it's not in some high level way it's something incredibly practical and what what i like again that's my particular way of looking at things you've given a certain language and a certain psychology to something that is hiding in plain sight for most people they don't know what to call it they don't know how to how to phrase it how to frame it how to implement it right it's it's not because it's difficult it's because it's difficult to verbalize and cognize and i think you've you've done something incredibly powerful here and i i strongly encourage everyone to read this book i certainly i've i've learned a great deal and you know um it's 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 not it's not obvious for me that something like this in my life is you know it's also it's hiding in plain sight but i also have trouble sort of giving voice to it now i have a much better way of doing that because now i have language that you've given me so i, I just i want to say thank you. You've really, you've really helped me <laughs> personally. And I really appreciate uh, your wisdom. And, and thank you very much for coming on the show. I certainly hope we can do this again sometime.
1: Well, thank you. And I really appreciate hearing your, your reactions to the book. And I, I do think it's important. I, I'm glad you agree. And It's
0: beautiful. Thank you very much for coming in.
1: Yes, thanks. It's a pleasure
0: to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to Commander-in-Chief Podcast. To apply to be a guest on the show, head on over to cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. CIC is in Commander-in-Chief. So that's cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. Please, guys, help us spread the word about the podcast and our mission on social media. We're cooking up something truly special over here. And we really need your help to spread the message. The reviews especially are huge for helping us grow and get the golden nuggets of wisdom from our world class guests out into the world. Go on ahead, give us a review rating on whichever platform you use to listen. Our mission at Commander in Chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, education, media, thought leadership, consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking and authentic, high-quality writing, helping people to become their own Commanders-in-Chief. And before you go, please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us here at the Commander-in-Chief Podcast so that you can be the first to know when new episodes run. Let's not be strangers, friend. Okay? Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever you hang out. And, of course, if you want to learn more about our work and impact, Or just access some great content. plenty of left. Head on over to CICMediaGroup.com. That's uh, CIC as in -in Commander-in-Chief. MediaGroup.com. Once more, this is Yuri Kruman, and thanks for listening.